Proverbs 3, 5, and most of you probably know this verse. It's a pretty short one, and it's one that um, has been memorized by a lot of people many times. So we're going to read it together. All right, let's go. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. We have a tiny little sermon series called In God We Trust, with two Sundays I'm leading off, and Aaron next week, and that will lead us into the Christmas season. So uh, we're talking about trust these days. I wanted to say happy birthday to Billy Graham this week. If you saw on Tuesday, he was 99 at a family gathering and baked his favorite uh, lemon cake, and it reminded me of the importance of youth work. When I was a pastor at Third Presbyterian Church of Springfield, I uh, had a prayer group that met uh, early Wednesday morning. It was an unusual group because it was uh, in the boardroom and we had about 12 men. And they were all the nucleus from the youth group in the 40s. And they were still there. There was one, three brothers and and another two brothers and others, and they, they were all grown up in the ministry of the youth in Third Presbyterian Church during the 40s. And they would reminisce about their youth group days. Remember, they're now in their late 70s and 80s. And uh, about once a year, they'd start reminiscing about whenever they were putting their group together, they decided that they would go to Youth for Christ and see if they could get a speaker to come and speak to them. And they were successful. And the guy who showed up was named Billy Graham. Billy Graham started as the first full-time staff of Youth for Christ. And so they said, man, we thought he was a cool guy. Uh, Not only did he speak to us, but he took us out to a restaurant afterwards. We went to and shake and we fellowship late into the night and for them uh, they couldn't say enough about the formative years of their youth group and the speaker who came Billy Graham and so we honor Billy Graham's ministry all over the world today uh, our subject is trust let me read from Proverbs 3 5 through 10 Hear the word of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing for your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, and from the first of all you produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow. That's Satan trying to come into our world, but we, we, got, him, uh, we got him handled. Think of what we have seen in the last few months and weeks. Foreign and domestic terrorism on the attack. 
the world political situation, including North Korea, casting a shadow of risk and fear. Much of the Middle East in rubble and flames with political uncertainty. In our beloved nation, images of bloodshed and carnage so grotesque that we are left sick of mind and spirit. Innocent folk crushed by vehicle attacks. Police murdered as they protect. And concert goers dying and bleeding from gunfire raining down from above. Last Sunday we had two church shootings. One in Fresno, California and the other in Sutherland Springs, Texas. The atheist gunman slaughtered ten women seven men, eight children, and the unborn baby carried by one of the victims, Crystal Holcomb. The youngest child was one year old. The oldest of the adults was 77 years. Somebody tell me it's not true. The outbreak of evil is so horrible to comprehend And it's appropriate to ask God, how can this be? I believe God speaks to us powerfully in His Word. And in an attempt to comfort myself, I was searching the Scriptures and I came to Psalms 10 and 11. I suggest you read these very brief Psalms, 10 and 11. Psalms 10 describes a situation like the Texas church shooter who stated, anyone who believes in God is stupid. He was a devoted atheist. God's word condemns a man like this killer. Let me read from the Psalms there that read like the newspapers this week. Psalm says his mouth is full of lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, he murders the innocent. His eyes watch in secret for his victims. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. Reads like the newspaper. The psalmist then assures us, God sees the trouble of the afflicted. God beholds their grief and is aware of their pain. And see in Psalm 11, the writer says, In the Lord I take refuge. But look, the wicked bend their bows. They use bows and arrows as their top weapons. They set their arrows across the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright of heart. With the advance of weaponry today, that would read, but look, the wicked had their magazines filled with ammo to place in their assault rifles to shoot from the shadows at the upright of heart. Then the psalm writer asks the question that we're all asking. When life's foundations are being destroyed, What can the righteous do? 
Let me repeat that. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Instead of a direct answer to the psalmist's question, there was something comfortable, powerful, and startling that happens there in that psalm. We are given as an answer an explosion vision of the great and awesome God. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is on His heavenly throne. We are challenged to visualize and place our trust in the almighty triune God. The God who observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine all persons. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, and this is what God says, who love violence, God hates with a passion. Judgment for the wicked is coming. For the Lord is righteous, He loves justice, and the upright will see His face. Our uncertainty, our worry, and our fear related to the circumstances of our present world are interrupted with a magnificent vision of the living God. Who can be trusted? Embrace God and trust Him. Real true trust is our weakness leaning on the strength of God. Perhaps in your particular circumstances, like the world, you may be undergoing some suffering, which can be psychological or physical. It may be suffering that you cannot express to anyone else or even your closest friend. An inward suffering, a heart-rending, heartbreaking suffering. We never know what we're going through, but in the midst of that, there is a promise of victory in Christ. Victory in history and victory in our own lives. And so therefore, Christ has overcome the world. And you, by trust and faith, can overcome your world through our Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in Him today. Admit your human weakness and misplaced trust. Receive Christ into your life and His serenity, His joy, His peace will be yours during the hard realities of life that we all must live. And wherever we are and whatever we face, trust in Christ is the secret of victory. Listen carefully to the words of Jeremiah, who is instructing us on the importance of trusting God. I'm reading Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 through 8. This is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Cursed. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, a salt land where there is no life. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree by the water 
that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The prophet Jeremiah encourages us with two contrasting images. He paints for us two pictures that are different, that represents two different kinds of people. The difference is seen according to where these people put their trust. Jeremiah narrows it down to two choices. Is trust placed in human resources or in God and His resources? Who do you trust? We must all put our trust somewhere or in something or in someone. It might be God or it might be someone else. And for many people, they choose to trust themselves. Jeremiah describes these two choices and he explains the consequences of going either direction. The word trust here means reliance on the strength, the integrity, the surety of a person or thing. This means absolute confidence, trust. Those who trust in man or human resources alone are cursed. God said it's like a dry bush in the wastelands. Jeremiah says the bush is found in parched places in the desert. The bush is struggling to stay alive, barely alive. It may not be dead, but it's sure not very alive. It's a dry bush that bears no fruit. This dried up lifeless bush represents people who depend on the strength of their own flesh and they are weak and they are limited. The prophet says trusting in human strength alone is unwise and a losing strategy. The worst part is that mistrust causes men and women to rely on themselves and not to rely on God. If God is absent, they each become the Lord of their own life. Without God, you're going to be a dry bush, a place where there is little life. Jeremiah goes on to paint another picture. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in God. What a contrast, not cursed, but blessed. God is reliable and trustworthy. Jeremiah describes the person who trusts in God in this way. You are like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Not a dry bush, but a tall, strong, fruit-bearing tree. You might wonder what's happening. I'm touching my radio right here. It's me. I repent. I will not do it again. Anyway, we have roots that cause fresh green leaves. You are a tree, notice, purposely planted in the place that God chose for you. God's grace in Jesus Christ strategically placed you where you would be well fed by the streams of water. By grace you received what you neither earned or deserved. 
the forgiveness of sins, adoption into God's family, peace with God and eternal life. What a contrast between what happens when you trust God and find strength in Him and when you trust only in your own resources. You have to decide who you're going to trust. You must decide if trusting Jesus is the best choice and the best way to live. Now, if you suspect that Dr. Phil or Judge Judy knows better than Jesus, you will choose their resources over Jesus. If you think Stephen Hawking, who with his human mind has scanned the universe and has seen no God and says there is no God, then if you believe in Stephen Hawking, and he knows better than Jesus, you're not able to trust Jesus. If you think the person you see when you look in the mirror knows better than Jesus, you will not be able to follow Jesus. Jeremiah believes you are a dry bush hanging barely to life if you do not choose to put your trust in the living God. When trouble comes, when concerns of life threaten you, when sadness and loneliness arrive, when the heat of life's world beats down on you, the tree that is planted by the streams of water will not fear. The tree has no worries in the year of the drought and never, never fails to bear fruit. Where are you putting your trust? Do you trust Jesus today? Trust Him to plant you where you need to be. The following true story is, is of a man of trust. And it's an example for all of us. And I love these stories that give us examples of the importance of trust. This goes back 200 years but it's still relevant today. There was a young man who had to leave home because his poor family could not afford to feed him, clothe him, and house him. On the way to his future, he met an old friend who was a captain of a canal boat. The captain asked, Where are you off to? He replied, I don't know. The captain told the young man it was good for him to be on his own, but he had to start out right. And if he did, that he would be fine. The young man responded that the only trade he knew was soap and candle making. The canal captain said, that's enough. Let's pray and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and insight, and then off you'll go. They prayed together and the captain prayed that William would be the leading soap maker in New York City. The boy was so excited and the captain gave him some advice that changed his life. He told him to give his life to trusting Jesus Christ and make sure that he gave to the Lord in all his future, what belonged to the Lord. He explained to him that 
tithes and offerings are for real. And then he exhorted him to make honest soap and have integrity. To give God part of everything that he did. And so he ventured on to New York and there's more to the story, but he struggled and found employment in soap making. And soon after years of hard work, he became a partner in the business. The man passed on who headed the business and William became the sole owner of the business. He always remembered to give 10 cents of every dollar to the Lord. From the very first dollar he made. When he became more and more wealthy, he instructed his bookkeeper to keep a line item. And that was the Lord's account. And to put 10% of the gross income from the company into that account, which was used money always to the Lord's work to build Christ's kingdom. He prospered quicker than he thought could possibly be possible. And he then instructed his bookkeeper to give the Lord's account 20%, then 30%, then 40%, then 50%. He educated his family on giving to the Lord. He told everyone the reason that he was successful was because he honored God first. He accompanied all his plans for life with trust. And he realized his dreams. He continued prospering so much that eventually he gave most of his income to the Lord's work. He ended up toward the end of his life giving away millions of dollars to God's ministries. His name became famous all over the world. His name was William Colgate. William loved the Bible. He was a source of encouragement to everyone who loved the Bible. And and he was interested in the translation and publication and distribution of God's Word. He was behind the formation of the American Bible Society in 1816. His efforts of funding the Bible gave the Scriptures to a spiritually hungry world. He founded many, many institutions of Christian learning. Colgate University is still there with his name. Colgate Rochester Divinity School still very active today. He was a successful parent. William Colgate had 11 children and they all followed in his footsteps and were known for their consistent attendance in worship and their support of God's work with all their resources. William Colgate died in 1857, but his name is not forgotten. The toothpaste, the shaving cream, the soap, the champagne, Shampoo, many of you use today, were the tremendous story of God's faithfulness that had lasted now for 250 years. Let's follow the example 
of him and his family. You know, his life changed his family, his church, his industry, and the Christian mission to the world because of the amazing power of trust. I pray that here at the Christian Church of Estes Park, we will be a healthy, trusting church with a rock-solid trust in Jesus Christ. What is a healthy church? It's not defined by size, wealth, community setting, or facilities. It's defined by character and spiritual health and trust. It starts with the spiritual health of every one of you in the fellowship. That individual health determines the health of each family unit. The healthy family units connect together and develop the health of this local church. This overall health has much to do with the quality of our pastoral leadership that leads us in a Christ-centered, biblical-based, and spirit-filled way. Friends, let's celebrate the leadership and membership of this congregation. I'm going to get personal. We are truly blessed. With my five decades of ministry and denominational responsibility for overseeing pastors and congregations, I believe it's appropriate for me to say, like the farmer's insurance commercial, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. You see, my task was to oversee pastors and churches. And so when something happened, I had to get in my little fire truck and go there when the choir director pushed the janitor down the back stairs, when the pastor's wife punched the lady next to her, when something strange was happening in the congregation, in the pastor's life or in the congregation's life, I had to go and bring the grace and peace of Jesus. I want to tell you that I know a thing or two, and this congregation is God-blessed. Aaron Dorman, our lead pastor, trusts in Jesus Christ, and Aaron is trustworthy. The same with Zach Vogel our associate pastor. We have additional pastor leadership with James Breeding, Steve Johnson, Keith Pearson, Mike O'Dell, and Larry Strong, who are tremendous men of God. Pray for them. I salute the board of deacons as well. They do a lot of the work. Don't get a lot of attention. Trust in the accumulation of of trust in our lives, of one another and of God. I have grown to trust this fellowship believers. I would trust my life to the small group that Carol and I belong to. And I've learned many of you, I've tried to get to know people here that I, that I have not known well. 
And what a rich membership. I see the Spirit of Jesus reflected in your life. We are all pilgrims. We're all beggars telling another beggar where to find bread. We are pilgrims trusting our future to Jesus. Together we trust Jesus, the rock of our salvation. We need to be people, again and again, Scripture, God refers to a rock. Psalm 19.14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. 2 Samuel 22, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. Psalm 18, 46. The Lord lives, praise to my rock. Exalted be my Savior. I have set the Lord always before me because He is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. Why? Because I'm anchored on the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And that house was not moved. Why? Because it was anchored on the rock. Its foundation was sure. It was completely 100% trustworthy. It did not move when the waters came. That's our God. Our God is completely 100% trustworthy. And what he's doing is building disciples like all of us who are 100% trustworthy. We haven't arrived yet, but we're on our way because we're anchored on the rock. You know, church, let's anchor ourselves to God. Build our house upon the rock, Jesus Christ. And my friends, I'm telling you, we will not be moved. God is a rock that never rolls. It's solid. As we trust God and one another, each passing month, each passing year, our capacity to live together and trust will go stronger. The future may not be easy, but together, let's trust the solid rock, Jesus, our uncertain future. This broken, fallen world we live in is in God's control and care and He's the Lord of history. Corey Ten Boom was a Dutch Christian who helped many Jews escape the Nazis during World War II and was herself a Holocaust survivor. She said it well. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. During the fearful days of the height of World War II, a comforting hymn was written. In the midst of a busy day, a housewife, Ruth K. Jones, felt a direct inspiration from the Holy Spirit. She stopped her housework to clearly put down both words and music, just as they were given her as inspired by God. Since that day, the hymn that she wrote down 
have blessed countless Christians at special times of need. It was inspired trust that brought comfort during illness, was used at funerals, has encouraged and challenged Christian workers, and has drawn many to Christ as Savior. Mrs. Jones experienced for herself the consolation and comfort of her own hymn when she was recovering from serious surgery. The hymn is titled, In Times Like These. And I think in times like these, the kind of history we're living out with its uncertainty and everything else, her words speak to me. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. The rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, you need a Bible. In times like these, oh, be not idle. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. The rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very, very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. In times like these, I have a Savior. In times like these, I have an anchor. I'm very, very sure. I'm very sure my anchor holds and grips the solid rock. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's the one. The rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Let us pray. Eternal God, we ask you to penetrate this holy worship room with your Holy Spirit's presence. Be in our decisions to either trust our own resources or to trust in the triune God, Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit. Lord, every day we're faced with where we're going to place our trust. Lord, move us in the inner core of our being to place our trust in Jesus, the solid rock. And Lord, we journey forward into an unknown future with a known God. Lord, 
Strike your healing, saving hand into the lives of every one of us that we might be individuals of trust who build families of trust, that build a congregation of trust and trust our leaders who lead us into the very presence of the Savior. Lord, meet our deepest needs. Touch each person here at the point of their greatest need. We trust you. For you are the eternal God. And we'll walk with you every day in trust. Until that day when you say to us, you're closer my house than yours. Why don't you come home with me? Amen.